0: This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.tv, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in your podcast app. So, I wanted to start off by talking about my impression. I, um, funny thing happened earlier. I have watched this film four times and I confessed to Vishal, I was like, oh, that's just, those scenes weren't in what I watched before. Um, and I think what it, what it is is that the film is exactly how I introduced it to our in-person um, audience, is that for me, it was prose poetry put to film. It was a cinematic prose poetry, and I was reading all the black spaces as if they were poetic and and these moments to like meditate on language. So image and language, sort of that tension, that, that image text um, tension was, was at play. And so what I wanted to to think through first of all is the title of this movie is taken from a collection of poems from Sonia Sanchez that she was writing as a dedication to um, many people who have passed or transitioned um, from HIV AIDS. And so I'd like maybe if you can tell us a little bit about the significance of the film, the significance of naming the film without using the question mark, and um, yeah, I'm also thinking about the house, the idea of the house um, with the lions, and the fact that the film has so many openings for viewers and so many openings in terms of political activism, um, kinship, friendship. Like how how do you where do you put your lions for this house that is that has so many openings?
1: I mean, I can I, I you know. Uh when the film when we were finishing the, the edit of the film which was um like march 2021 and i think it was like right as we were coming right up to like the finish line um for it um i asked the for help uh, titling the film because i really i think it had lived in um you know in our edits as all these different um names honestly it was like a Mad Mind was 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 one name just because there was a song um, that kind of refers to the mad mind, ba- that song, Barbara, um, which is kind of, uh, you know, in the early part of the film. Um, but we really, it was a placeholder name and we didn't have one. And so the suggested, Does Your House Have Lions? Um, you know, as coming from the Sonia Sanchez uh, book of, of poetry. And I actually was not aware of the book of poetry. Um, and then as I started to look into it and realized that on that first, um, you know, the first page of Sonia Sanchez's book is this um sort of anecdote that's reprinted um and it it re- refers to Rasan Roland Kirk, who's a jazz musician um and a, and a kind of an anecdote the the anecdote is written by Joel Dorn who is Rasan Roland Kirk's um, producer and it's basically sort of you know I'll just kind of paraphrase it it's about um, Joel, having bought a house, and Rasan says to him, did you buy a house with, with lions? Get yourself a house with lions. Um, like outside of a, a post office in a school. I can't remember what the two other institutions are. Um, and so as soon as I heard it, I thought immediately of just the house, right? And I what I loved is that the title was kind of acknowledging um, that the film was ultimately like kind of about this household in many ways. Um, but then as we started to think about it more deeply like the idea that um you know that Sonia sanchez is kind of taking a title from another artist's work and it felt like this kind of conversation between artists of you know that might not even have a relationship to each other and it just sort of felt like there was all these kind of ideas kind of opening up with it um and and so yeah but i i just loved it as a title and i think quick very quickly the idea to not have the question mark kind of was resolved. Like I was sort of like, well, you know, we always knew that it would be, that we would refer back to Sonia Sanchez and then refer back to Rasan, Roland Kirk. Um, um, but by dropping the question mark, it kind of allowed it
2: to be this other sort of
1: presence, but Vikram, I, yeah. Um, so uh,
2: thanks for that question. And uh, thanks to Vishal for kind of elaborating that. Uh, I might want to say two things really quickly. Uh, One is that uh, Sonia was not uh, some kind of, uh, Sonia was kind of an accident, but not one that happened just in the middle of the conversation with Vishal. Because before um, my two friends got imprisoned, uh, they were reading Zami by Audre Lorde. Uh, And I wanted to kind of draw something from the, the youth circle of friends that. Uh, from Audrey's circle of friends, so so I did want to kind of think about uh, uh, think about friendship even in kind of the method of uh, this titling. And the second thing, as my uh, as a friend of mine uh, put to us, and we've written about this uh, in a piece that Vishal and I co-wrote, is that there is a lie in lions um and we really appreciate that because i i think that the i think that the impulse of a film uh or to read a film as telling truths rather than the lies we choose uh is actually uh counterintuitive, right like the the imagination that people in a in a, in a cinema verite are kind of speaking from the heart and this is the most kind of authentic and honest version whereas what the camera actually allows is for a certain kind of lie to be choreographed. Uh, You can see two bodies sitting together and you can imagine that there is intimacy there uh, even as they might not be able to say what they're willing to say to a camera to each other. Uh and so it is the it is in some sense um and remember that the the lions in the Rasan court are not necessarily real lions, right? These are not lions that can particularly protect you when the police comes barging in. Uh these are lions that are aesthetic, uh that are about a relationship to power uh and about things denied to us uh but they are not necessarily convincing uh and they are not necessarily uh and they they kind of man the passage uh and so instead of imagining the door as the only entry into a house what would it mean to be introduced to a house from its passage and so the film becomes about uh the passages it takes to uh to sit beside one another uh for Vishal to travel all across the world to come and see us, for the rain to travel from a very very small and exceptionally marginalized and oppressed village to the city, um, and for whatever the passage uh, that we might call trans might mean. Uh, and so then it becomes about the things we want to put in the way of our passage uh, as some kind of homage, as a certain kind of ornamentalism, uh and a certain kind of relationship to the other those who may not sit beside us but could see us from far letting them know that we see them too so maybe that's a short kind of answer
0: no i love that i mean there's so many um um, so from what you just said there are three things that are running through my mind but i'll do it in steps um so the first thing i'm i'm really I'm, i'm struck with um in the first few scenes, also in, 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 in literature written about the film, but even like the takeaway, um, the idea of friendship as methodology. And so, um, and there's a brilliant um, conversation that you're having with some of your friends and you say, oh my gosh, like in academia is that terrible word that we call autoethnography, which is in fact what I do, right? And um, I love that your, your friend was saying like, she's working on a research methodology that's called like active research, right? In which the, you know, the subjects, um, the researched and the researched are one and the same. And so I'm thinking about friendship as method and methodology. If like, if we look beyond sort of that global North parachuting and in, extracting information, setting up collaborations, which are asymmetric in a sense, right? What can you talk a little bit about friendship as being the model or the goal or again like an opening to collaboration what if we just like scratched out the word collaboration and if the goal was that your research must be imbued with a sense of friendship
1: i i mean i, I think it's really important to kind of uh to illuminate and highlight those sort of asymmetries right because those um could have been and were present in many ways in, you know, from from the minute of our meeting. And I think, I mean, what I loved about um, our friendship <laughs> as it began was that, you know, is that in a way, you know, Vic Quirin would joke around about these things, right? Like me being this academic, you know, that, I mean, at the, at the time I, I didn't have a job, you know, when we met, um, I was, a, I was a, an adjunct lecturer, <laughs> but still, you know, like, there was there was this such a kind of cliche, right? In this in in me kind of coming to India and doing a form of research, um, but you know, importantly, we were introduced by a mutual friend, and so and it was very much the way queers meet each other, which is you just say to another queer like, "Who should I know?" and they say, "Here, this is someone you should know," you know, and so you know, in a sense, like whatever it is that we ended up making and you know it, it's still an ongoing um collaboration i i would say that this film is one you know iteration of it um and um and i think i think in a sense like we had i don't even think that either of us really chose it actually consciously but we became kind of dutiful to the friendship and that that became the the I think the guiding force right because I think what's what's important to to really you know say is that even though yes like I I I was going wanting to make an artwork uh, at a you know many points along the stage it's sort of I I also had sort of resolved in myself that this might never become a thing right because what it really was was just a kind of documentation of this friendship and and I started to just see it as this kind of like um, potentially like living archive that we were going to produce together, right? And I think um, very quickly, I, I asked the Queerum, I don't know if I asked, but we through conversation kind of like, I, I wanted to 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 disassemble this kind of authorship model as well, or at least to make sure that whatever we did was kind of co-authorship based, of, based upon that, right? Because what the Queerum was bringing was so much more than you know being a subject in a traditional sense like I was you know we the way that we were communicating with each other and sort of learning to in a sense live with each other right like was already undoing you know these kind of um the idea of like filmmaker and subject or something and so becoming more dutiful to the friendship um which has had its challenges I mean it's been as challenging as any friendship is right like we we don't always see eye to eye, and we 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 you know um we've we've gone through many phases and, and but and what I think is also important to say is that friendship is unlike kinship in that there's nothing that holds it together. Like we could walk at any point, right? And that sort of interesting tension, like or in a certain way, I think actually um produces something that I think is is very productive in a way.
0: But I don't know, I I would love to hear aquariums. <laughs>
2: thoughts about that. Um. Uh. I think Vishal said a lot of what I wanted to say, but I'll say, especially in terms of, um, say, I'm going to just kind of maybe think about this, the push that Kathy is suggesting. We think about what if collaboration was to be replaced by friendship, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm thinking about. Um, what does then friendship allow that collaboration doesn't and i'm actually uh thinking if part of the difficulty of collaboration uh is about how uh and as is the difficulty of almost any relation uh the difficulty of having difficult conversations um and what what and i i don't i am not invested uh, in a model of uh, academic writing or academic engagement or an engagement to the world in which critique does not come from a place of both generosity uh and um radical capacity to hate uh and i think friendship is the only space where actually both of those could work together and i, I might i might just kind of give an example to that it's like um say for example uh like the the idea of the bitch slap right the the idea of like being able to slap someone across the face when they say something annoying but it's not coming from a place of power or oppression but coming from a place where you need to be where you need to be shaken a bit for you to find your ground again right uh and i and i don't think that uh beside intimacy beside the stake in another person's life you will demand something like that to to suggest that what someone is doing in their life is so hurtful that the only way i can kind of grapple with it is to slap you across the face and say no snap out of it you know or change something about this you no know? like and so i feel like uh and especially for projects artistic projects or, or collaborations, it's so important to be able uh, to suggest some of these things, suggest a kind of hurt, which is not necessarily garnered towards the outside, but it's a kind of diminishing from the inside. Uh, and those are not conversations that we are necessarily trained in, right? And somehow the, co- the infrastructures of other forms of kinship, from marriage to sexual desire, etc., don't necessarily enable um, that those, those conversations. It's precisely the lack of infrastructure in friendship that allows us to improvise it, uh, but allows us to also have deep stakes in the other person. And so it's really important to be able to have some of those conversations every now and then, and to be forgiven for our lack of ethics, or the excesses of hurting someone uh, and the possibility of forgiveness in return. Um, I think that those are, I can't think of any other kind of relationship where that's a placeholder, but again, I the, because of the lack of infrastructure, improvisation can also be destruction, uh, can also not be, can also come untethered. And so it's not as if um uh, and like vishal is saying there's always the 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 kind of impulse to leave uh mm-hmm. etc and so i think there's something generative about that i i think that there is something generative about um uh, about the difficulty of friendship that allows difficult conversations to happen or for Uh, unlikely things to happen, which I think precisely because other relationships have such deep infrastructure, whether it's the academic research or researched Mm -hmm. uh, infrastructure of marriage or whatever, they're so deep, they're so historical that they're bound to interrupt your voice. And I feel like it is precisely the lack of sovereignty of our voice in friendship that allows for something else to happen. And maybe if I made any sense, I can stop there.
0: Yeah, no, that's perfect. It, like it absolutely dovetails in, and I, I'm um, my mind is just going through um, the script because the closed captioning was there, and um, and one thing that st- many things took out, but um, we're talking about um, there being an overvaluation of sort of like this global or Western consensus of feeling and how you want more value to rage, but even more value to joy. And so um, it actually makes sense for the bitch slap that you mentioned, it wasn't captured on film, but what was captured on film were these moments of joy. And so I'm thinking about, um, so this question is a little bit um, robust and you can enter anywhere that you would like. I'd like you to talk a little bit about and this is what I'm calling like the fantastic mundane moments of the film and what what I mean by fantastic mundane are when we use elements from like our natural world to emulate or create a fantasy, and there are these quiet snatches in the film where people are lip syncing. where Jaren is talking about his dating experiences. Um, The sunset seems to have like, is another character in the film because it shows up three times, especially when Vishal, you're calling and they're like, oh no, you gotta go. It's, you know, like the sun's about to set in 10 minutes. We're trying to experience the, you know, the magic moment, you know, right now. Um, And then there was was a particular scene and I'm glad I had my, um, I was watching it on my laptop because I had to freeze it to see what website you were on after you were dancing in the fabulous two-piece lingerie. And so you were on um, Chatterbait, which I could not look up. I could only look through Wikipedia because I didn't want my interwebs people to, <laughs> to, like, to start tracking me um, as, as a challenge. But I was thinking about about that scene Um, and it really like paired well with the dinner scene with both you um, uh, where you both basically asked each other and the film cuts and neither one of you answers this question, but you ask, do you feel free, right? So I'm thinking about the fantastic mundane. I'm thinking about the register of joy. And can you speak um, about your individual and your sort of communal ideas of freedom. So is the screen like a site of freedom, right? Um, is the documentary camera a site of freedom? Um, what were you doing with those moments, those snatches of, um, of life that weren't part of like the master narrative? Or maybe I'm over determining what your master narrative was. So can you both answer
2: that? Do you feel free?
1: You start, you start, please. I,
2: I I can only answer that, like I'll try to answer that in relation to the camera particularly, because, I, and I'm try, I'm again going to borrow from the generosity of another friendship. We had a, a common friend, the most stunning Tamil writer, Pragasam. Um a, a moderate moderator one of our conversations. And the conversation began with Anuk kind of reviewing the film in some sense. And Anuk brought up something that I don't think I saw or was intentional about, uh, which is that, um, which is that I often think think of the camera as an instrument of capture. And this is something that you hear in Dhirane's kind of relationship to the archive. Right, like where we're in this kind of Jose Esteban Munoz kind of space, where he's thinking about the archive as a space, as an enclosure. Right, Um, and so um, Anuk was kind of thinking about what are the strategies that uh, both Dhiran and myself uh, uh, resort to uh, in in relation to this camera's impulse to capture, Um, and so mine is kind of easier. Which is that my impulse is to refuse. Uh, I am very tight-lipped. I am very tight-jawed. Uh, I am exceptionally kind of conscious of not just say uh, the camera, but who could be who could watch this like. Uh, in Europe, think about this. And that sometimes leads to a kind of deep struggle with Vishal because Vishal constantly keeps saying, you're imagining audiences, you're imagining their, uh, for example, their whiteness and so on and so forth, whereas the audiences could be many. Uh, and so my practice of freedom is the practice of refusal to the camera. The reins, on the other hand, Anok pointed out, is one of excess where there is so much joy, there is so much pleasure, there is so much sexiness, uh, that it's almost impossible for the camera to not be overwhelmed and to surrender, right? Uh, and to to almost have to give up its sovereignty um, because it is meeting this demigod of oomph. Uh, and so really, in some sense, I think those those at least become, uh, which, which is not that they're not interchangeable. There are many moments where rain is the quiet one and I'm the one kind of dancing in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think of both of these as um, as refusal and as maybe sexiness or sexy excess as like strategies of freedom with relationship to the camera. Um, that we struggle with but i don't really i think all of us at least in the film and i know from also your work that we are committed to a practice of freedom uh we are committed to practices to be what christina sharp might call undisciplined uh but i don't think that we are always the most articulate about them i think freedom is something if it governs you uh or if it drives you uh then it uh, I don't think intention is necessarily the the space I would go to for its articulation. I think the, and that's where the viewer becomes slightly useful, you know, because someone else might be able to tell you um, something that you're doing that you don't really realize and cause a moment of friction or thoughtfulness.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think... I mean, it's in the, you know, in terms of this question of freedom, like, I mean, I love in that footage where I just asked the question so kind of idiotically. I'm like, do you feel free where, because we had at that point traveled from Delhi to Bombay and I, I was feeling just some freedom from having left Delhi because I, you know, and, and so I just asked it. And of course, Vikram just comes back with this totally, <laughs> you know, kind of like, um, Kind of bitch you know <laughs> bitch slap back like are you serious do you actually feel free um but i think you know I, I think i'll speak to another part of the question around the kind of fantastical um i think in a way in working with both the and didane i realized that there was that we could that we did have the opportunity to kind of to imagine the fantastical together or that we you know like that that we could give these kind of opportunities like for a sort of sexiness or like you know for like 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 use the camera how you want it you know um and i think i think what's also interesting is that you know there are definitely those moments where we sort of stage or give opportunity for like the lip-syncing or these kind of like moments of fantasy and then i think what i found myself often doing and this kind of goes a little off the, you know it's like but i was fighting against against both the Querum and today's sort of impulse towards making themselves really beautiful for the camera or like you know getting dressed getting dressed the way they wanted to and i would be like no we're rolling now like we have to, i because i was i was sort of you know in certain ways trying to also capture a little bit of a kind of naturalism and which is you know my own sort of problem <laughs> as a filmmaker right that that it's kind of like i felt like that would would give for more sort of authenticity but i think that the fantastical is such an important question because i think in the end the film kind of allows for both right like where it, it sort of it it allows for these sort of moments of of the fantastical or or of the beautiful or whatever of the pretty in in spite of some of the the more intense moments of the film right and so and i think that that was a really interesting um direction that Vequiram gave me once we realized that that sort of storyline that included the incarceration of their housemates was going to become a part of the film Vequiram was like i you are not going to make this journalistic and you're not going to make this political but actually if you look at the footage there's so much there's so much sort of in the kind of, there's so much more poetry in these sort of moments of us enjoying each other, right? And like actually pull those things out. And so, yeah, I don't know. I think I'll leave it there, but.
0: Yeah, I mean, okay, poetry, I mean, like all all of your answers were dovetailing well into all of my curiosities about the film. And when I think of poetry, I think of language, I think of images, I think of um, Vikram you, you mentioned the ornamentalization of like certain things. So I couldn't help, like what I was like hailed with while I was watching this film, but particularly looking at you, um, it made me think of um, just like the way you were painting your fingernails, the the lingerie. Um, and, I, and I think I was um, uh, called into thinking of Zora Neale Hurston's quote, a will to adorn. Um, when I saw you carry that container of yellow flowers in your sp- in in your home in your space, and I was and I was just I was noticing sort of the preoccupation with the aesthetics of space, and so this also uh, maybe jumps back a little bit to the question: Do you feel free? And I'm uh, thinking about space and your uh, and you said that your impulse to refuse, whereas Vishal's impulse is like the idea of freedom. Um, came in that moment of the passport, right? Like, why won't you get a passport? Why are you sending your mother to like Italy by herself? Um, so can you talk about like your impulse to your impulse to refuse um, as like a mode? Um, and what that means about you staying in Delhi, staying in India, and like this will to adorn the space. And so that expression from Zora Neale Hurston comes from her thinking about the aesthetics of African-American, um culture but i just couldn't help but apply that to the way you were occupying space and using your body in traveling through public transportation um, and also your refusal to leave india even under conditions as ugly as the political conditions as ugly as they are so like i maybe i'm trying to reactivate that quote in terms of politics and the aesthetics that you um that you insist upon
2: Oh, that's such a beautiful question. And I, I'm so moved by it. Like, I want to stay with that question all week. Uh, I don't think I'll do it justice because but thank you for that. Thank you for putting those two things together that I wouldn't have really. So appreciate that. Um, I don't know how to think about them together, really, because I really haven't. Um, but um, so at, at least uh what I could say about uh say the the Zora neale Hurston uh quote or or this kind of relationship to beauty, because I came across that quote in the Christina Sharp essay called Beauty is the method. Mm. Uh and it's such a it's such a remarkable essay, and it's an essay I think I must have read like 120 times as one does everything Christina Sharp. Um but uh but one of the things that I think uh, is different from uh, for some of us uh, and i i can 't really speak for more than some of us uh, is that a uh, beauty um, is also the oppressor um, and this is particularly true for trans people where beauty can be another form of enclosure and so um and or 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 say poor people where where one is like kind of Uh, judged for one's lack of uh, capacity to adorn Uh, or say in India especially and you see this in a lot of anthropology that comes from this part of the world where a certain kind of Brahmin aesthetic theory is how you understand the social. Uh, And so beauty can, beauty either in terms of the demand to pass uh, or the demand to uh, to be accepted or, or the demand to be understood can all become forms of um, enclosure or lack of possibility. And I think the... And so part of the refusal to beauty, uh, or part of beauty as a refusal, is to bend the oppressor. Not so much as to break it, but just kind of bend it. I don't think that necessarily it becomes a practice of freedom. Uh, but uh, it does kind of open small moments of relief or reprieve, uh, perhaps even repair, um, or or if nothing else, joy. Um, and so I think that there is something about um, about uh, the uh, about the method about the question of method that uh, Professor Sharp opens for us, and I think, but. That method is also, if beauty is a method, then so is ugliness. Uh, And I think that there is something useful to hold the two things in tension with each other. I don't necessarily, I know people disagree with this, but I don't necessarily think of myself as a beautiful person. Uh, And we're not opening this up for debate right now. but, uh, But I am interested in surrounding myself with a few beautiful things. Uh, uh, or, or uh, having a relationship to beauty because ugliness does not foreclose the possibility of it. Uh, and so I am interested in what what possibilities ugliness and beauty when put next to each other might open, right? Uh, and this is particularly true about, say, for example, Hijra folks, which were our, perhaps our first kind of relationship to transness in this city, where you see um, a person begging on the street by the red light. Most kind of uh, garish or this kind of upper caste eye makeup, right? But the overdone red lipstick, the kind of slightly whitewashed foundation, etc., are because the, the figure in order to be able to, to get something out of you, is relying on a relationship of, power in a place where she is offered none. And that that juxtaposition of the beautiful and the garish uh, opens up something else for us. Uh, It opens up um, a possibility that wouldn't exist if we were to simply surrender to the terms of either beauty or ugliness, right? And I think that possibility to be disgusting and erotic at the same time uh is something that i think is close to a practice of freedom uh because it refuses the binaries by which the world is organized um and and that and that it's part of that refusal of the binary that the passport conversation actually comes through because it it is becoming increasingly impossible to live in this country and i can't emphasize that enough uh i am not the most threatened of people but nevertheless uh the everyday uh kind of uh um the everyday kind of overwhelming of murder and violence sector is a lot um and so and one of the reasons i enjoy the film is that the film actually has far more mobility than i do uh and it's it's an object that kind of travels Irrespective of my passport, etc., there is a kind of it. It engineers a circulation that I simply that I refuse, right? And so, this ability for parts of me to be to be presented to someone, etc., it suggests a possibility of existence that is not built on bodily autonomy uh, and integrity. And I think I'm I enjoy that about the image. And so maybe that's the relationship between the image. Uh, and the beautiful and the passport. I hope I've answered some of this. I'm really sorry if I meandered.
0: No, that no, you didn't. I mean, you, you left a lot of openings for Vishal to think about. Um, and I and I know we need to to switch to questions um, from our Zoom audience and from also inside the theater. Um, but I I still have like half of my questions are still unanswered. But I want to share. I want to share you with other people. So I'll I'll pause here, but I'm just wondering, Vishal, if you wanted to add anything um, to the question in terms of like maybe the filmmaking process. And I do have deeper questions for you about that.
1: Totally, yeah. I mean, um, it's funny. I mean, this question of, of the passport question is just, and I think the reason I enjoy it in the film is that it's actually, it's where you see kind of A part of the nature of our friendship is often like arguing, (laughs) but where I'm like, no, 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 come on, get a passport, let's go, let's go, you know, and um, and I think that you know, Viquiram, I mean, I love that scene because it's something that you know, from this perspective, the first world perspective, it's it would be, it's very hard to kind of understand. It's it's hard to understand why would you not want to come join us, you know. Um and, and I think I really um I think that Vic, you know the sort of refusal of mobility, I think is something that is it's it's sort of poetic, it's it's political, it's 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 a number of different things. Um but um yeah, I mean it, in terms of the filmmaking process and this kind of I think what the mentioned, you know, towards the end of their answer about. The sort of the circulation of the image that that sort of happens kind of globally, and um I think that that's something that I was thinking about a lot right like i I think I was and I think like through the editing process it was I was trying to kind of make um sense of all of the energies that were at play like in this material that I managed to, to you know capture with these incredible friends um so you know balancing these kind of energies of the the harsh i'm not i i I don't think of anything in the film as ugly other than you know the the sort of fascism right but but um to try to balance these energies right like of these sort of uglier truths right of you know people being incarcerated and sort of held you know by the state but then you know the these these sort of other moments and sort of trying to do this kind of balance in in that regard felt really important. And I think also this question of, you know, I mean, I think it's really interesting when Vikram kind of mentions the the sort of hydras of Delhi. But you know, this kind of this question of 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 the representation and and what it means to sort of represent queer people or you know tra- trans folks like in cinema i mean i think these were all questions that were really i mean luckily luckily i i didn't have to think of those questions because i was just dealing with with friends so so the actual question of representation was one that i could kind of um you know put to the side and just kind of edit the film that we wanted to see um but i'm kind of i'm going i'm going far off i think it's a beautiful question and I'm, i'm I'm, you know, I think in, in a sense, I think the aquariums answering of the question is more useful than anything that I could add to this. But um, but maybe we should open it up and, you know, to questions from the audience.
0: Yes, we have, you... we have one question um, from the audience that I'm toggling back and forth from this question comes from a graduate student. Um, I believe uh, they are a graduate student in the Department of Linguistics, Tosandri Mendoza. um. And I'll add a little bit to this because I think this may have been addressed, but um, you can go a little bit further. Um, they they th- thank you for visiting us virtually, and they thoroughly enjoyed watching the film. I was interested in the discussion of different forms of love in the film, including V. Querum's call to value other forms of intimacy and love, such as those found and shared through friendship. Can you both perhaps speak to the relationship between you, all that formed in the filming process? I saw glimpses of these intimate moments between the interactions through the calls and the discussions of when things were missteps or complicated, etc. cetera. As someone interested in participatory arts, I'm fascinated by the decisions to keep these moments in, in relation to your own experiences with intimacy amongst you all in the filmmaking. And then, and then one of the things that I, I'll add to this so that it, it's not, um so we can maybe expand upon this as I was thinking about the sort of intertextual or intermedial moment where you refer to the city, beautiful I think it's the documentary, The City Beautiful, um Rahul Roy's film which um which talks about as as Vcrm says the soft masculinity of of male friendships between um so i'm thinking of that as like a trace from that film to this film and um also um reiterating Dosandri's um interest in about the participatory arts and those those moments in the filming process
1: i mean the you know the, it just um in regards to the Rahul Roy film about uh, you know soft masculinity, I mean, in a way, I think there was this. Uh, I actually, I, I mean, I can't speak too much to to this kind of idea of like the, the soft masculinity. I mean, it's it it's kind of just a quip, it's a joke, and in a way, like they're both they're they're not throwing shade at the other film, but they're kind of like they're they're almost like doing this challenge of like don't let this film be that, or or maybe trying to make some kind of distinction between them, and I think. We put the that moment in the film kind of just to sort of you know um uh, make make reference to that kind of joke but um, um you know in terms of uh you know the the student's question regarding the kind of the the process of making the film in, in relationship to to this kind of question of friendship like i mean it's kind of important to note that a lot of. We, we were becoming friends as we were, because we had, a, we had a reason to spend time together. And so a lot of these, you know, scenes um, that are built are actually us just spending time together and just saying, like, let's keep the camera present, right?
2: Well, thank you for that. Uh, and uh, thank you for that question uh, from the audience. And I'm so glad to be here uh, also. Uh, so glad that you like the film. Um, I think that... Part of, uh, and I think I did uh, perhaps suggest that part of the, part of what allows those things to kind of stay, those kinds of missteps, I think what is useful about having them uh, is precisely uh, that there will be a few in friendship. Uh, And I think that, uh, and I think that we wanted to or i think at least in the way in which the film has been edited it suggests that the that the kind of overemphasis on a uh, friendship as a radical space for uh, for repair uh, might actually be uh, misplaced itself uh, and that actually we might end up hurting each other, we might end up being insensitive, Uh, we might uh, step on a few toes, uh, not just our own, but also of of something sacred to the other person, etc. So I I think I am interested uh, in suggesting that actually intimate spaces and especially spaces of care and repair are also spaces of police and violence and uh, and harm. Uh, And I think that uh there's something i think we lose something if we if we don't actually grapple with that head on uh i think the at least in politics one of the re- things that i uh, i find myself constantly hitting a wall against is when people are unable to have a conversation a difficult one right uh, and so uh and so instead of uh, in, as, and we don't know what to do in a, sea, in a place where someone has hurt someone or someone has harmed someone. And I think the, the question of abolition is really this this question of what to do, how to have that difficult conversation. Uh, and so I think that the reason why Rahoy's film exists or, uh, or is cited or say we have that conversation about Vishal kind of uh, saying something. Perhaps insensitive, uh, or or there might be my impulse to refuse love. Is is all of those are built because I don't think we want to refuse our intimacy with violence, our capacity to do violence to others, right? And so, uh, even the most kind of vulnerable of us, even those of us who come together in joy. Does it mean to kind of leave spaces open to violence rather than say no these are safe spaces right or these are sa- safe containers um and i think especially because of the relationship between the and myself where i come a community and the rain comes from the oppressed cast i don't think i can even in the in the most kind of deepest the most intimate the most kind of day-to-day friendship or possibility of care can i refuse the way in which history might speak through me a history of violence, right? and I think it's there's something uh there's something for something productive or generative about the way in which violence desoverizes us or history might desoverize us through violence. um it says something about our limits, it says something about how our imperfections, and it's lovely to kind of build from that uh what does it mean to build a space of joy from violence rather than its kind of antithesis and opposition and i think that's where some of those things might come together i hope that kind of helped answer some of those
0: yeah that was beautiful i mean it it also applies um i i feel like you could like i could just put you on a calendar and like you would have like quotes for me every day like (laughs) like you know having um you know, thinking about safe spaces and and safe containers and maybe interjecting joy as an afterlife to violence, having worked through it, right? Haven't had those difficult conversations and joy is a goal and a possibility, right? It's something we can strive for together, right? That's like the fugitive dream, right?
2: Um, To be
0: there, right? Uh, Oh,
2: I love that idea of the afterlife. (laughs) Joy as the afterlife. I love that. Thank you mm-hmm. so much for that. That's gorgeous. <laughs> I need that on a calendar or a t shirt. Oh, we
0: have, um, we have a question from the audience. Fantastic.
2: Thank you for your
3: beautiful film. And I find it poignant and I find it timely. And uh, Professor Thomas, uh, thank you for promoting friendship where are you professor thomas are you on the screen in your office or here in the theater
0: i'm upstairs from where you i'm i'm probably a, a minute away from where you're standing
3: it doesn't matter you you have a uh uh there's a, a feeling on campus that you're multidimensional and that you're multi-faceted but that's what a diamond is i'm
0: a feral <laughs> academic
3: <laughs> <laughs> i find it poignant in that it uh, brings so many different people together, people from UCLA, from Goa, from Bombay, from Calcutta, and now here in Santa Barbara. And I find it timely because, of course, we're fighting our own battles here with you-know-who. And, Vikram, you mentioned uh, Muti. Matter of fact, you coined the term Muti Media. How's it going with Muti over there? And uh, I hope you're not afraid of getting acids thrown on your face, although I have that feeling too sometimes. Thank you.
2: Uh, I think I I I don't really know uh how I feel and you know Vishal and I are currently working on a project around disassociation as a form of relationship to grief. Uh, because I I really like uh living in this country has become really difficult. It's it's not easy to have a relationship to the to what what is happening to people literally like to our most kind of like to next people sitting next to you like it's just um and so i i really um i'm trying to think through uh uh uh, with vishal in this kind of project that we were trying to work something out of um trying to think if um if numbness if disassociation uh if the if there is something generative about the desire to stay in bed a little bit longer. Uh, And I know that a lot of queer desire has gone into beds, but it involves a lot of frenetic hyperactivity um, and so on. Uh, But what would it mean to think of now a kind of queer sexual universe of the single? I'm not thinking of the one, but of the single of the desire to be left alone um of of trying to in the enclosure perhaps trying to find some moments of silence uh and sleep and rest uh and this became really this got activated for me particularly during the pandemic uh but it's also what allows us to survive another day in fascism um and so i i i want to I don't think I, I don't think I I know how to survive this, uh, and so I have lowered the frequency of what survival looks like. Mm. Uh, I can't live with heightened awareness. I can't live with consciousness and knowledge. I can't live with constantly recognizing the intimacy of threat. And incarceration and violation. I just, it's too much. And so, part of survival has been to uh, to not disavow, but actually just disassociate, uh, and to lower the frequency of what makes survival possible. It's a kind of, it's a far more horizontal plane of existence. Uh, a, a far more. I love the word feral, but I'm thinking more like a worm. Like an existence at the level of a worm uh and so on, where like gnawing and regeneration are tied to some kind of what Lauren Ballant calls attrition mm-hmm. and and so I am kind of thinking about what Tina Kamp might call this kind of lower frequency and and that's how one is surviving i'm I'm trying to I'm trying to not be overwhelmed but i but I am overwhelmed, and so I'm trying to just kind of not be asked to do one more thing mm-hmm. uh, and that's where one is really at i don't know because I don't know how to rest. that's also a big problem with me uh so like i i'm I'm just able to kind of maybe change registers of frequencies or tonalities, but i can't I can't also sit back, and so I'm trying to think if there is something something there in what we are collectively feeling not just myself
0: thank you all for being with us you've been listening to a podcast by university of california television for more information about this program or uctv visit us online at uctv.tv